My name is Ian Campbell McKenna, and in this procurement in five minutes, I promise to tackle some of the biggest challenges and also answer the questions that our profession and our industry face on a day-to-day basis. And today's procurement in five minutes, I welcome Bill Michaels, who is the Vice President of Operations Americas at SIPS. Now, in Bill's career, spanning more than 36 years, he's held a lot of senior positions, such as Head of Purchasing for Campbell Soups and Vlasic Pickles. Bill is really recognised as an expert in his field and procurement and supply chain. And from the perspective of his current role as Vice President of Operations Americas at SIPS, Bill really is in a great place to answer the question, what is the future of procurement associations? When you start to think about associations, you you have to think about why do people want to be in an association? What does it do for them? I started thinking about this, and really what it does is a person really wants to enhance their career. And what an association enables them to do is network, get some speaking opportunities, to get noticed, build themselves a profile, maybe learn a little bit about best practice. That's really why they do it. They do it for enhancing their career. And I think what we need to do is make sure Sure that we give people the opportunity to do that. So when you start to think about what's happening to associations, there's a lot of a lot of threats. So some of the threats are people can self-organize, there's the, the digital, there's open publishing and generational change, but they don't necessarily give the networking or the opportunity for people to really understand what's going on in the, either their industry or other people's industry. And so I think that that's going to be there. I think the future of purchasing associations is going to depend on a couple of things. I think the first thing it's going to depend on is do the associations understand who they're customers are. And since I've had an opportunity to work in a couple, you really have to define the customer and what they're looking for. And I think there's four really basic types of customers. The first are people that are coming out of university, picking this for a career. They want to to get as much knowledge as they can. And they're sort of emerging into the professional. They're emerging professionals. They're on on a learning path. They're also on a career path. How do I keep going up the career ladder? And then there's people that have been established in the profession for a long time. And what they want to do is they just want to keep their job. They want to be there, understand where they are, learn the skills that's going to keep them current. And then we have a third group, which is really kind of a leadership group. You know, they're moving out of an established professional group. They may be moving into where they're actually leading and moving up the chain to a seat position. They want to learn more about career leadership, driving a team and making category teams, working globally. Then we're going to have the big cap players who really have all the money to do their own research and do some things, but they want to keep in line with things like what's the best diversity and inclusion proposal. How does that work? What should they do? And that in itself is a problem because wherever you are in the world is a different definition of diversity and inclusion. So I think we have to understand who the customer is. The other thing that we have to do is really create a clear definition of what is the purpose and what is the role and why are we here? And then what is the member proposition? What are they going to get out of being associated with a group of peers? The other thing is agility and flexibility. I know that uh, I told you that recently 
a uh, one of our business clients asked us to build three universities within the company, and it's all of the next generation. So we had to convert all our materials to podcasts, e-learning, webinars, in-person, mini clinics. All those things had to be changed because those people want to learn when they want to learn, how they learn best. And so if you're not agile and you can't manage that and you're not flexible and you can't deliver what they're looking for, then you're not going to be relevant. I think the other thing that people look for, at least from a SIP standpoint, is to be part of a global community. As soon as the pandemic hit, we were running things out of China and out of other places so that people could come to our website every day and see what was the latest as we were starting to enter the PPE crisis and some of the crises. And they want to know what's going on globally, how's trade going to be affected, especially on the trade policies that we had that were changing all over the place. They were looking for someone that had some direction as to what was going on. The other thing an association is going to have to do to be relevant in the future is kind of have tiered membership, maybe accounting for those groups. So I think that that's important. And also a global and institutional alliances and who you align with will be very, very important. So, you know, I think the future for associations is really bright for the group that can define their value proposition, enhance people's career and manage value. The future is very, very bright. So I hope that uh, that answers the question. Great insights from another one of our thought leaders. Be sure to share the link far and wide. And of course, I look forward to our next five minutes together. Bye for now and have a great and a productive day.